very embarrassing and it's it's hurt all the players it's hurt me uh, as a as the manager it's my worst day ever hold my hand up i'm responsible for this all the things you should not do in a football game we did tonight six one a home to spurs are you having a laugh the state of it bonder fc has been reborn ladies and gentlemen What happened to defense in the Premier League? To be honest, I have no idea, but I love it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of In and Out with me, your host, Albert Vartanian. Listen, let's get right into it. This past weekend in the Premier League was phenomenal. The results, you had Spurs beat United 6-1, which is crazy enough, but that was followed up by Aston Villa beating Liverpool 7-2. I was watching that game, and I fell asleep at halftime at 4-1. And I'm like, you know what? It's 4-1. It's Liverpool. They're going to bounce back. I started thinking about a couple weeks ago when West Brom went up 3-0 against Chelsea in the first half. and Chelsea bounced back in the second half to score three goals. I'm like, if Chelsea can do that, Liverpool can very well do that. It didn't happen. 7-2 when I woke up. I thought... I didn't even think the dream, I didn't think the result was real. Honestly, I really didn't think the result was real when I first woke up. Even my fiancé woke up and looked at the screen and she's not like a huge soccer fan or anything but she's like Liverpool lost 7-2 and it was to Villa no disrespect to Aston Villa but that is probably one of the most unlikely scores you'll see not only in the Premier League but any sport 7-2 Villa who narrowly escaped relegation last season beat the champions who almost went undefeated last season 7-2 but one of the funniest things that I saw on social media it's this account called Anfield Agenda it's a Liverpool fan who does like these watch-alongs during Liverpool games so pre this was post Spurs United and pre Villa Liverpool and he started his stream and then he started talking about or started laughing about the United result and going into the Liverpool game. So have a listen. 6-1 at home to Spurs. Are you having a laugh? The state of it. Banter FC has been reborn, ladies and gentlemen. 6 All the madness. Uh, bad news on the goalkeeping front. Allison is out for what looks like maybe three or four weeks. Adrian's got to be in goal today. He's going to be grand. He won't be conceding six unlike, you know, the other lot. 7-2. Grealish, the 7 for Villa. 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, Whatever you do, the audio doesn't do it justice. It's hilarious. But go out and watch that video. It's at Anfield Agenda. He posted that video. Like I said, he does this whole watch along. But that little clip was taken away from that. So let's go right into that game. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. My immediate takeaway was Aston Villa's confidence on the ball and the way that they played. It's like they had an idea and had a plan of what they wanted to do. And they just went out and executed it to perfection. They saw that Liverpool, or they knew that Liverpool liked to play a high line, which they tend to do all the time, and it usually works. But they decided to, you know what? We're going to attack that. That's going to be our game plan. Get in behind the line. 
And that's exactly what they did. They had Grealish feeding balls into Watkins and that new addition of Ross Barkley seems to be a great fit because him and Grealish quickly developed this chemistry and this connection and were able to get behind the line or make passes behind the line every single time and Villa were able to get through. And obviously it started off with the one one goal that was Adrian's mistake, Liverpool's keeper. He kind of, I don't know what he was thinking, passing the ball to Joe Gomez. He kind of passed the ball behind Joe Gomez, and that kind of started things going. It was their confidence and their plan and the execution of their plan that won them that game. For Liverpool, it was the complete opposite. They just didn't look like they were ready. I don't know what it was. If it was maybe they were taking Villa lightly, and they knew they were going to go in there and probably smash them. They didn't do that. And I figured, listen... After the first half going down 4-1, they're probably going to bounce back. That was like their wake-up call. Okay, guys, hey, we're here. We're in the game. We need to play. What's going on here? We can't be losing to Aston Villa like this. It didn't happen. They came out, and they were even worse in the second half somehow. Ollie Watkins, who just came up for the championship, who was bought by Villa from Brentford, made Virgil van Dijk look very average. He really did. Virgil van Dijk, which to me, my opinion... The best center back in the world. Ollie Watkins made him look average. Joe Gomez, beside Van Dyke, had a horrible game. Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't have a very good game. The midfield of, I think it was Fabinho, Kaita, and who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting someone in the midfield. Fabinho, Kaita, who am I forgetting? Henderson? No, it wasn't Henderson. Anyway, doesn't matter. Those three players in the midfield were being bossed by Villa's midfield, and they got nowhere near Barkley. And Jack Grealish. If you go back and watch that game, Grealish had so much space every time he was on the ball. He was able to make whatever pass he wanted to make. Same thing with Barkley. So getting in behind that high line was pretty easy for them. So now there's the blueprint. I think it started with Leeds against Liverpool in the first game. Leeds attacked that high line throughout the whole game. They didn't have the same success as Villa. They still scored three goals. They lost the game. But maybe Villa saw that and was like, you know what? We have the players to get in behind. We have the quality in midfield with Jack Grealish and now Ross Barkley and even John McGinn to make passes and get behind them because they play so high. And that's exactly what they did. Is this going to be a trend we see continuing for this season with teams who play Liverpool? Probably. Liverpool are going to have to make an adjustment. Whatever adjustment that is, I don't know if they're going to sit back or continue to their high line because they play with an aggressive press. So they need that high, that high line is there so the players in the midfield and the forwards can push up on the opposition and press them into making mistakes. Are they going to change that? It's worked, you know, 99 times out of 100. You know, I know I'm over-exaggerating, but you know what I'm saying. Liverpool went nearly undefeated last season. They were the champions. They won the, cha- the Champions League before that. So whatever they've been doing has been working, but now they're they're starting to be sussed out a little bit. So we'll see what happens. It was just an incredible scoreline, 7-2. Now, prior to this game, there was another game where Tottenham Hotspur went into Old Trafford and took on Manchester United, which I thought would be a very tightly contested game. I was completely wrong. 6-1 for Spurs. 6-1. This was a great game right from the get-go because... I think less than a minute in, 39 seconds in. Penalty United added again. Manchester United get a penalty. 
Bruno Fernandez scores, as he always does. And I thought, mm, this is not good for Spurs. Mentally, Spurs are notoriously weak-minded. Under Poch, I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't get over that line to winning a trophy or winning the Champions League or, you know, yeah, they pretty much did everything but those things. The reason they, they didn't hit those goals and hit those marks was because of their mentality. But now they have that Jose Mourinho mentality, what he's trying to instill to these players. Like he said in All or Nothing, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let him say it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel that you are honestly a very nice group of guys. But for 90 minutes, for 90 minutes, you cannot be nice. For 90 minutes, you have to be a bunch of cunts, <laughs> of intelligent cunts, not stupid cunts. And that's what these guys are now, intelligent you know what? They bounced back, immediately scored a goal. Bang, another one, 2-1. Then they had some luck, which you got to have to win games and to win trophies, I think, in any sport. You got to have a little bit of luck to go along with, with all the hard work that you're putting in. Lamella gets hit in the throat by Anthony Martial after Lamella kind of threw an elbow at Martial. But instead of not going down like Martial did, Lamella went down like he just got shot by a sniper in the throat and held his throat and he was on the ground and he was wincing and Davis and Sanchez of Spurs went up to the referee and says, hey, what the hell's going on here? He's on the ground. He hit my player. And the referee right away goes into the pocket. Red card sends Anthony Martial off. Do I agree with it? I think if you're going to give one a red card, you got to give the other a red card. I'm a Spurs fan. So I'm happy that it went our way. But if I'm looking at it down the line and being unbiased... Both of those players got to be sent off. But for me, I wouldn't even pull out a red card. Yellow card at max. And boom, hit them both with the yellow card. I didn't like the way Eric Lamella reacted to that. But he was, in a way, being very smart. He got hit. He went down. Most times that players do that after being hit, even if it's like a little headbutt or a little push... The other player is probably going to get sent off. And that's exactly what happened. I was just surprised that VAR didn't come in and maybe revert. Not, maybe not, not so much reverse the decision, but send a card Lamella's way as well. That didn't happen. So that opened up things for Spurs. Immediately right after that, United made a mistake. Spurs capitalized. Harry Kane scored off a pass from Sun. And then they just started rolling. Boom, goal after goal after goal. They finished the game 6-1. And they were clinical too. I know United were down a man, but whenever Spurs had a chance, they made a count. As for United, man, they look horrible. There, there's some serious problems there. Let's look at their last three games, right? Their first match of the season, they lose to Palace 3-1. Second match, match of the season, Brighton. Brighton played fantastic. They nearly drew that game if it wasn't for a penalty that went United's way at the 100th minute after the full-time whistle. So they squeaked a win there, and then they got battered by Spurs. A lot is being talked about what's going on with Manchester United's board and how they're not funding the team and blah, 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 blah. That back line that United started against Spurs is worth nearly a quarter of a billion dollars. They've spent the money. They just probably haven't spent that money wisely. 80 million pounds for Harry Maguire. Listen, I was a big Harry Maguire fan when he was at Hull and the way he was playing. I'm like, whoa, this guy can actually play. 
He's a good defender. He can play with his feet. He can shoot. He can do a lot of things that the modern center back can do and a lot of managers want now. They want their center backs to be able to be ball handling, be able to make a pass, and also be able to protect their goal. And Maguire can do that at times. But I don't know if he's at the level of Manchester United. Sorry, not the level of Manchester United, but the level that Manchester United want to be at, which is challenging for the title and winning titles. I don't know if he's that guy. Everybody talks about who his partner is. Well, Lindelof's not good enough. Well, Bailly's not good enough. Well, so-and-so's not good enough. But maybe Harry Harry Maguire isn't good enough. Maybe Harry Maguire needs to be the second guy. Maybe they need another center back, a leader, to help Harry Maguire. I think that would help a ton. And also, you have to think about... Excuse me. You have to think about where Harry Maguire came from, okay? So he played at Hull. When he played at Hull in the Premier League, they were fighting to stay up. It didn't happen. They went down. If you play for a team that's fighting to stay alive in the Premier League, fighting to keep your place in the Premier League, you're probably not a part of a system that plays a high line or presses. You're probably sitting back, soaking up pressure, trying not to concede, which means as a center back, You're not really asked to do much other than clear your lines, head the ball away, long ball. That's pretty much your job. So he did that at Hall and he did that extremely well. At Leicester, very similar. Leicester play the counterattack. They sit back. They don't play a high line. So so their defense and their center backs aren't exposed to speedy wingers and speedy forwards getting in behind them where your center backs now or your defenders have to turn and try and catch them. With United... They play halfway up the pitch like Liverpool. And a lot of times, Harry Maguire and that defense is exposed. I'm not trying to throw complete shade over Harry Maguire. I'm just saying maybe he's just not up to it right now. So things can change. But all I'm saying is I think they need another partner for Harry Maguire. But if I was in charge of Manchester United and I was allowed to bring in my own players, my decision would be to I'd keep Harry Maguire. Because you spent $80 million on them. That's bad business in terms of making money back. You're not going to make that $80 million back. And you're definitely not going to make profit off of that player. And things can change, but I don't see it happening right now. I'd keep him. I'd bring in another center back. A top-tier center back to partner alongside Maguire. And if that doesn't work, then you have Lindelof and Bai. Hopefully that can go along with that new center back. As for what happened at the deadline, the transfer deadline closed on Monday night. United wanted to get Sancho. They didn't get Sancho. Instead, they got Cavani, and they got two wingers and a left back. So this whole thing doesn't make sense to me because they need a center back. They probably need another midfielder, and they absolutely need a striker because they haven't replaced Lukaku. They got Cavani on a free. He was available for weeks. And it took them down to the wire for them to bring him in. There's already a problem there. It shows you there's a lack of organization and urgency at the top or whoever's making the decisions to bring in players. So Cavani, is he going to help that team? I don't know. This smells like a Falcao, a Radamel Falcao signing, where he came in kind of in the twilight of his career and didn't really do much for the team. But we'll see. Cavani could change things around. He has good players around him like Rashford and Marty Allen and Greenwood. So it could be very positive for United. I still think they probably should have went after 
a more recognized striker, someone in the prime of his career. They wanted a winger. They wanted Jaden Sancho. They couldn't get it done for whatever reason. So they bring in two other wingers. But these two wingers are young for the future players who won't even feature. I think one player, Diallo, I think his name is. I could be wrong. Ahmad Diallo. He's not going to feature until January because he's got to get his passport and his visa sorted out. And the other player that they brought from, from Penaral, the Uruguayan League, he's another player for the future who probably won't feature as a starter on that team. So the business that they did, not very good. Not very good for United. And I think their manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is in big, big trouble. I'm not sure how much longer he stays. I think Pochettino is probably the man that's going to come in. Is he the right answer? I don't know. He's a good manager. Can he get that defense sorted and put some sort of structure and system into that team? Absolutely. For Spurs, Pierre-Emile Hoybier, what a signing that is. Spurs needed a defensive midfielder like him. They haven't replaced Moussa Dembele up until this point. I mean, Hoybier was fantastic in that game. Let me pull up. Uh, I have a stat here. Hoybier against United. First in touches. First in successful passes. First, is pa- first in passes in opposing half. And first in possessions gained. He mopped up everything. And I also didn't realize he kind of had the, a bit of flair to him too. That pass that he made to Serge Aurier for I think the third or the fourth goal was fantastic. So if he can deliver that to Spurs midfield, they're going to be a very successful team. I know Harry Redknapp came out and said that he thinks Spurs can win the league. I hope so. Obviously, I do hope so. I would love that as a Spurs fan. Do I think it's going to happen? I mean, it's unlikely, but this is the unlikeliest of Premier League seasons. Let's be real. You're coming off a pandemic. There's no fans. Goals are being scored left, right, and center. Keepers aren't playing very well. You know, on any given day, you can see a team like Villa beat Liverpool. You know, so why can't Spurs win the league? But why can't Everton win the league? You know, why can't United turn around win the league? You never know. So I think it's a very unpredictable season. It's unlikely that they'll win the league. But like I said, this is one of the more unlikeliest seasons, if that makes sense. I'm not sure. Anyway, let's continue. West Ham, Leicester. How about West Ham? Back-to-back clean sheets. First last week, they win 4-0 against Wolves. And they follow that up with a 3-0 win over Leicester City. And Mikel Antonio deserves some credit. This is one player that I've, I've loved for a long time. He's just a good striker. And now he has that. He's not playing on the wing. He's not playing as a fullback. He's just playing through the middle. And his, his whole focus is on scoring goals. Since the Premier League restart, okay? So this is once the Premier League came back after lockdown. So it was that short period uh, of the 2019-2020 season. Since that restart, he has 10 goals, which is tied for the most with Danny Ings, Harry Kane, Harry Kane, and Raheem Sterling. So he's doing things over there. So good for Mikel Antonio. West Ham, they look great. They didn't do too much business. I don't think they really had the funds to during the transfer, uh, transfer this summer transfer window, but they look really good. Uh, Everton, Brighton. Everton, top of the league. Top of the league, Everton, unbeaten in four games. They won 4-2 over Brighton. James Rodriguez scores two goals. He's just been an unbelievable signing. I was, I was concerned. I'm like, this guy's going to come in. What's he going to do? He hasn't really been playing. And boom, immediate impact. And I thought in this game they were going to struggle because they're missing two key players. Allen, who cleans up everything in the midfield behind Rodriguez and Ducori and Sigurdsson and all the strikers. And Richarlison, 
two key players, but it didn't stop them. They felt fantastic and they looked fantastic. My biggest concern for Everton is their center backs and Michael Keane and Yeri Mina. They're prone to mistakes and their goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, who is constantly prone to mistakes. He's just, he is a good keeper, a good shot stopper, you know, decent distribution, but he makes too many mistakes. It's not even like one per month type deal. It's like two or three or four per game. And if you're trying to win the league or finish top four, you got to clean those up. So if he does, good on them. But obviously, uh, Everton, they look fantastic right now. I'm not sure what's going to stop them. Manchester City against Leeds. 1-1 draw. It was a fantastic game. Pep Guardiola against Marcello Bielsa. If there was ever a world-class performance where you saw a player do something, you're like, wow, this player is world-class. That was Ederson, Manchester City's keeper unbelievable amount of saves he is one of my favorite keepers to watch because not only is his passing incredible he can hit your toenail from 80 90 yards out we've seen it time and time again but he makes incredible saves incredibly athletic tall goalkeeper uh, keeps man city in games and i think he's going to be extra busy this season with the way that city's defense is lining up and the way that they've been playing maybe ruben diaz is the answer i'm not sure but credit to Leeds as well look they went to Liverpool, went right at them. They lost, unfortunately, 4-3. Now they played City, went right at them, draw 1-1. Leeds are a very, very good team. They are a very, very good team, and it'll be inter- interesting to see how they will fare throughout the rest of the year. How about this, though? Liverpool and City are being found out. For the first time in a long time, the two top teams are being found out by other teams. And I think this makes the league this year even more interesting. Because I don't think it'll be a runaway like last season or seasons past. It's been a two-horse race for too long. Um, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, if those teams are good enough to run away from the rest of the league, then so be it. I mean, the rest of the league needs to catch up. But as of right now, I think the rest of the league is starting to catch up. And it's very exciting. I'm happy. Spurs won. We're going to win the Premier League. <laughs> Probably not, but I hope so. Uh, It was a fantastic week, and I hope it continues. Unfortunately, it's international break, so no Premier League next weekend. But you can tune in to watch. There's there's a bunch of Nations League. I think Portugal plays France. It's got some big games coming up this weekend. But that's it for this edition, Episode 6 of In and Out with me, your host, Albert Fartain. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and download the podcast wherever you listen to your downloads. If you go on Apple, Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. As I mentioned before, it helps out the show and myself so much. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. I'm out.